Good morning, good morning. My name is Patricia. I am the creative arts pastor, and I left my clicker down there. Can you pass me my clicker? Thank you. I am the creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. Uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Ryan, is currently out of state, so it was impossible for him to be here this morning to speak to you, so you get to listen to me speak this morning. Yeah. All right. All right. This is going to be good. We've been in a, a teaching series titled Summer Mixtape, and we all know that with mixtapes, you can take your favorite songs, well, this used to be how you did it, you take your favorite songs from different artists and you put them all on one mixtape, or if you really, you know, you saw somebody and you were like, they're pretty nice, you'd make them a mixtape and you would give it to them, right? And then they would take it and they'd be like, they think I'm nice. And that's what we've kind of done with this summer mixtape teaching series. We've kind of mixed a bunch of different topics uh, spoken by a bunch of different people. So track one, you heard Pastor Brian, uh, Brian, who is Brian? Brandon. You heard Pastor Brandon talk about prayer. Track two, you heard Pastor Ryan talk about getting into the word of God. Thank you, Josh. He's helping me with my things this morning. And then today we're going to talk about something that's super lively and exciting and is just going to make you so happy. We're going to talk about death. <laughs> and I know some of you are like, okay, I just came from a week that felt like death and I'm here to get refilled and refueled and you're going to tell me we're going to talk about death. Yes, because you can't talk about death without talking about life and life is a gift. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Let me pray for you first. God, we pray that you would just still us before you, that this morning we wouldn't be all depressed, that this morning we would come to know that life is a gift and it's given by you, but it's up to us to choose what we do with it. Would you just give us ears and minds and hearts to be receptive and that we would walk out of this building maybe living a little bit more than we were when we walked in. We pray this all in your mighty name. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, which some of you already know how that starts, and you're like, all right, here we go. It was written by a guy named Solomon, and Solomon was King David's son, and he had what I call the three W's, okay? He had all the wealth in the world, he had all the wisdom in the world, and he had all the women in the world. And he had all the women. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And if you don't know what that means, 300 mistresses, essentially. Okay? So he had wealth, wisdom, and women. And then you read this book of Ecclesiastes, and he had everything you could ever want. And it wasn't enough. And we turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I don't have all of this up here because we are breezing through quite a bit of it. There are 12 chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes. We could spend 12 weeks on this book, but I only got a short period of time, uh, so stick with me here. But he starts with saying, verse 2, we're on page 658 in your pew Bibles. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Makes you want to keep reading, right? He continues, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, turns to the north, and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. 
to the place the streams come from, there they return again. Then he gets real cheery here. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. We're never pleased, right? What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? No, it was here already long ago, and it was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. What a ray of sunshine. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Okay? The sun rises, the sun sets, generations come, generations go, people are born and people die. You're all going to die. Did you know that? In case you, okay, somebody's excited. <laughs> all right. And every time I read uh, this chapter of Ecclesiastes, I always think of a scene from the movie What About Bob? Anybody seen that movie? It's my favorite comedy, okay? And there's this boy, his name is Sigmund, he's 11 years old, he's always wearing black, okay? This is the scene I picture when I read the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. Bob? Yeah? Are you afraid of death? Yeah. Me too. And there's no way out of it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. And what difference does it make if it's tomorrow or 80 years? Much sooner in your case. Do you know how fast time goes? I was six, like yesterday. Me too. I'm going to die. You are going to die. What else is there to be afraid of? You are going to die. And that's, that's the image I picture whenever I read the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, because he's basically saying that. doesn't matter if you're young or old. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you work at a grocery shop or if you work at the church. Doesn't matter. Death equalizes us all. We're all going to die. And we read this, we read this chapter and we think that he, he's saying life doesn't matter. It's meaningless. We're all going to die. It's meaningless. But I don't think that's what Solomon was getting at when he wrote this book. I don't think he's saying life is meaningless, uh, well, everything is meaningless, so life doesn't matter. I think he's saying everything is meaningless, so life does matter. And this is why I think this. I think meaningless is a poor translation. I think from the original Hebrew word, meaningless, and how we understand it in today's age, we understand it as meaning nothing matters. But the original Hebrew word was actually havel. Can everyone say havel? Havel. B in Hebrew is pronounced as a V. Havel. And it actually means vapor, breath, smoke. So the writer was saying everything was Havel. Havel. A better way maybe to help you picture this is to picture when he's saying everything is meaningless, everything is Havel, everything is a vapor. To picture it maybe a little bit more like this. It's here. It's a very real thing, okay? But then it's gone. It's Havel. 
So he's not saying life is meaningless. He's saying it's here and it's gone. By the way, this is dry ice and it is the coolest thing I've ever experimented with. <laughs> if you are looking for something to do this afternoon, go to Meyer, okay? Buy the customer service area. Buy yourself some dry ice, okay? And warm water. And if you really want to experiment, put some soap in it. And then it bubbles, and then you can pop the bubbles, and then the bubbles smoke. And it's amazing, okay? <laughs> so if you're looking for something to do this afternoon, if you're really bored, pick up some dry ice, okay? Pam and I had a lot of fun this week. Life is Havel. That's what Solomon is getting at. And uh, like I said, we could spend 12 weeks in this book. I don't have time to go through everything that he says here. But we get to chapter 3, and you get the, the famous part where it's like to everything there is a season, right? There's a time to weep, and there's a time to mourn, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to dance, and so on and so forth. But he's saying, at the end of the day, all of these things that you're striving for, are you looking to be the biggest and the best? Well, I was the king. I had everything. I threw the best parties. I had all the desire and pleasure you could ever want. And at the end of the day, it's a chasing after the sun, he says. He uses that phrase 28 times in Ecclesiastes. It's all a chasing after the sun. And he uses the phrase meaningless, havel, vapor, 38 times. So we wanted to make sure that you got it. All of this status quo you're searching for or worried about, it's vapor. It's havel. It doesn't matter. And then... You keep going. He keeps talking about all of that. He's using examples from his life throughout all of this book. And then you turn to chapter 12. And this is, I think, the highlight of Ecclesiastes. Because we get so caught up with the first part and it's super depressing. So we decide we're not going to read the rest of it. Uh, which actually, um, there's this book called Living Backwards by David Gibson. So if you want a good read on Ecclesiastes, I would suggest reading this book. Um, I introduced it to the young adult group that I was leading for a year, and halfway through the year we did this book, and I, they came back after reading the first chapter, because it goes chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and they were like, that was super depressing, <laughs> and some people didn't even read the rest of it. But I'm like, but the rest of the book is really what matters. The rest of it is really what Solomon wants you to understand. All of this is Havel, but one thing, Jesus. Chapter 12, he says, remember your creator. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. If you're familiar or if you're not familiar with Ecclesiastes, the writer does a lot of poetic writing in this book. And this next part, he's using poetry to, to describe getting old. Okay? He says, Remember your creator before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. Remember your creator before you can't reach the top shelf and grab an item because your hands are shaking. Remember your creator before you're stooped over because you're so fragile. He continues, remember your creator before the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim 
and the doors to the streets are closed, and the sound of grinding fades when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. Remember your creator before you can no longer eat or see or hear. He continues, Remember your creator before men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Remember your creator before your mind can no longer remember anything. Remember your creator before your heart stops beating. So Solomon says, all of this, everything you're chasing after, status quo, whatever it might be, is Havel. It'll be here, then it'll be gone. It's Havel. But what is lasting is your creator who created you. Remember him. Because that's what the mo- that is what the most important thing is. Remember your creator. It's interesting that, that Solomon, when he describes getting old, he describes it as toil or turmoil. Some versions even say evil. Because death was never meant to be a part of God's plan. But we're still given life. And life is a gift. And we get to choose how we live it. We get to choose if we're going to focus on those things that are Havel. Or if we're going to focus on the thing and the one that actually matters. And this is really, um, like with Summer Mixtape, anything we talk about up here throughout this series, it's just it's things that we really feel like God has been working on our hearts with. And so with me, for the past couple of months, I've really been asking God, how can I live more intentionally? How can I focus on the things that are going to last and matter? How can I be more intentional in my relationships, in my work, and so on and so forth? Because at the end of the day, life is Havel, and we only get one life to live because we all die. I don't know if you all knew that, but just in case you didn't know that, I'm just filling you in this morning. And oftentimes we do view that as a depressing thing, but I think, I think if we focused more on the finality of our lives, we'd be more intentional with how we lived our life. And I was, I was doing a drive around and I was praying about this and then I was listening to Spotify. And Spotify has this thing where it does like a Discover Weekly, and so it'll pop up with song suggestions based upon what you've listened before in the past. And I came across this, they called it a meditation, and it was titled Vapor, which that's kind of where my head has been lately. Um, Not that my head has been vapor, but I've been focusing on this idea, I mean sometimes, focusing on this idea of life being here and then not. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to this. And it was 8 minutes and 35 seconds. And I listened to it, and I was moved to tears, and I listened to it five or six more times. Because it talks about the finality of life and how we worry about all of these little things, and we stress about all of these little things, and we we get so caught up in that that we forget to actually live how God intended for us to live. 
And so I have this audio for you to listen to this morning. And because we're visual people, I did put together a video so you can watch and you can listen. Or if you'd prefer to just listen, you can close your eyes. But I, I hope that this, um, what you hear, is uh, freeing. I hope it maybe breathes some life in you and that it encourages you and that maybe it lifts some weight off your shoulders. So watch this. Most scientists estimate that the universe is 13.77 billion years old and that the Earth is 4.54 billion years old, while human beings have only been on Earth for less than 200,000 years. To put those numbers in perspective, if you stretched out your arms and your entire wingspan was representative of Earth's geological history, and then you took a nail file and took just a little bit the edge off of your fingernail, you would have just wiped out all human history. There's this Carl Sagan quote about a photo of Earth taken from Voyager on its way out to deep space that echoes the sentiments of Kohelet, the teacher, in the ancient wisdom book called Ecclesiastes. Here's the quote. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home, that's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. So here we are, on this pale blue dot, tiny specks of dust coming into existence for a moment, hurling through space and time, only to flicker back out after a few moments. These moments, these are all we have in this life. We work, we laugh, we cry. We make love, we write books, we build empires, we wage wars. But we often try to ignore the fact that these moments are temporary. That all our empires and the gross national product, our art and our literature, our $300 designer jeans, all of our knowledge and technology, creativity and legacy is erased. It's all going to flicker out at some point with everything else. Vapor. Havel. Meaningless. Everything and everyone is a vapor. Here for a few moments. And then gone. This sobering thought can be depressing or it could be absolutely freeing. 
We can either go the way of many around us and ignore this fact, medicating and numbing ourselves in avoidance of the truth of our humanity. Or maybe there's another way. We could embrace it. We could recognize our humble place in this universe. We could recognize the silliness of human arrogance and empire. And perhaps as a result, we could learn to appreciate and fully experience the moments that we have as the gifts that they are. Think about when you were young. Do you remember getting worried and stressed about things, things that seemed so important at the time? Now, how do you feel about those things? The issues that felt like life and death, like how the kids didn't give you a fair turn on the playground that day. How do you feel about that now? Do you laugh about it? Does it seem silly? So what are you worried about today? Do you really think it is any less silly than what you were worried about as a child? Your job, vapor. Your apartment, vapor. Your school loans, vapor. Everything and everyone you love and worry about, it's all vapor. Are you worried about being unique or important? In our society, we worship our individuality. We love to talk about our fingerprints and snowflakes and how every individual is unique. But have you ever looked at a snowflake? I mean, they're all kind of the same. Back the camera up a little bit and you are nothing but a human being, a speck of dust in time and space not all that distinguishable from the seven billion other specks of dust swirling around you. How many of our moments on the pale blue dot do we waste worrying and stressing about the vapor? The Kohelet, the teacher in Ecclesiastes, shows us the vanity of human toil and worry. Another teacher came and taught about the vapor like this. Come to me, all you who are weary. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what are you so worried about? What causes you stress? Because it's going to the dirt like everything and everyone else. It is vapor. Mist. Smoke. This doesn't have to be depressing. In fact, it might even be liberating. Finitude, after all, is actually what makes life sweet. Christmas time can be such a wonderful and magical time of year because it only happens once a year, not in spite of it. Parents treasure their moments with their young children at home precisely because they know those moments won't last forever, not in spite of that truth. Take a breath. Recognize your frailty. Recognize that the things that feel so weighty and worrisome in the back of your mind right now are nothing but vapor. Feel your breath. Recognize your lungs keeping you alive without your ability to make them work or not. 
Your heart is beating. Your cells are working together to keep you alive. And it's all magical and mysterious and beautiful. Life on planet Earth is a gift. And you only get it for as long as you get it. And then the match gets blown out. So set your hearts, not on things of Earth, not on the vapor, but let go. Fully open your heart to both the gift and the giver. The mystery and beauty. That in which we live and move and have our being. That which we call God. The oneness who holds the vapor together. Who somehow brings meaning into the meaning. What are you so worried about? What is it that does cause you stress? What is it that keeps you from actually living? Can I let you in on a secret? That one thing, or maybe for some of us, it's like 10 or 20 things. It's vapor. It's Havel. It's here today. But in 10, 20, 100 years from now, it's going to be gone. It's Havel. And Solomon, in his writing, isn't negating the fact that we do have things in life that do cause us to worry. Like, we all have bills to pay. He's not saying those things aren't very real. He's just encouraging us to maybe focus less on all of those little things that don't matter and focus more on the one who does. And that's what he's wanting us to get at. And maybe for those of you who are just so filled with worry right now, I don't know all of your stories, but maybe there is something in your life that really is causing you to be restless. Go to Jesus. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Are you worried about the Havel? Are you worried about the vapor? Are you worried about the smoke? It's not lasting, but Jesus is. You weren't meant to carry all of that. Let him carry it. Now that I've probably completely depressed all of you, uh, I do have a main point that if you were to get anything this morning, this is what I want you to get. But I want to tell you about my friend Matt first. Uh, about three years ago, coming up three years now, I made like my official move to Michigan. And I had gone to Marion, Indiana, actually with a couple people from the church. We had gone down so I could get a table to eat at and a bed to sleep in. And uh, we were making our way down there, and my mentor, who lives in Marion, called me and said, hey, are you almost there? Like, I have a surprise for you. She was very excited. And she showed up with coffee, which is always really good. And uh, then my friend Matt, who was doing an internship at the Wesleyan headquarters there. And I hadn't seen Matt for a while, and I just, we were just good friends. And so it was fun. It's always fun to just catch up with people, old friends. And uh, he told me, 
and I'll never forget it, he was like, Patricia, this is going to be the best summer of my life. And then a week later, my mentor called me, and she said, Patricia, are you sitting down? And that's never good, right? Uh, and she said, Matt went to sleep last night, and he didn't wake up. 25 years old. He was my age. Okay? He wasn't an old man. <laughs> he was my age. Had been married only a couple years. Hadn't yet graduated college. And it just showed me <laughs> that life is hell. It is a vapor. And you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. And we can spend all our time worrying about whether or not we're going to please the next person or whether or not we're going to be the biggest and the best. But it's all a chasing after the wind. So if you get anything this morning, know this. Jesus covers death with his life, so you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about all those things that make your life feel like death sometimes. Okay? Jesus has got that covered. So don't waste that gift. My goal this morning is not to depress you, okay? We all already know that we're going to die. <laughs> My goal this morning is maybe to just encourage you to live more. When you go outside, maybe that you would look at the sky differently than you have in a long time. That maybe when you go out to lunch with your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your significant other, whatever that might look like, that you would see them, see the person sitting across from you in a way that you haven't seen them in a long time. Because life is Havel. And you just never know. And we don't have to be sad about that. It just means that maybe we could be a little bit more intentional with how we live. Let me pray for you. God, this morning we just recognize that the breath in our lungs is a gift. And that the people around us, whether we know them or not, are gifts as well. We thank you for your son. We thank you just for the opportunity to live. Even though life is hard sometimes and we have worries and we're restless, God, you are our resting place. So would you help us to constantly go to you? to seek you first, to remember who you are and what you've created us for? Would you help us to seek out the good, even when things seem bad, because that is not all there is, and that is Havel. God, we just come before you and we apologize for taking life for granted sometimes and taking you for granted and worrying about things that are Havel and don't matter. So would you meet us? Would you have your spirit just meet us in a way that we've never been met before and that we would look at our lives and say, this is going to be the best day of my life. This is going to be the best summer of my life. May we look at our days and make them count because you're in them. We pray this all in your mighty and matchless name.